Well, if you have your Bible this morning, I'm going to go ahead and ask you to uh, go ahead and flip to Luke chapter 17. Luke chapter 17. So we're going to continue. We're, we're getting kind of done. I know we have uh, we've had a lot of own weeks, off weeks, but we're going to continue our series that's called Seven Decisions. If you're taking notes, this is part six. Uh, I will finish this when we get back from vacation, the, the final part, part seven. How many of you guys actually enjoyed last week, by the way, with Rob? Good week, right? Thanks for being so kind to those guys. They really enjoyed being here. So if you're taking notes, part six, I'm going to take a second just to kind of recap. When we're talking about these seven decisions, we're really talking about seven biblical principles. So none of this is just man's opinion. All of this is, is truth that rooted, that's rooted in the word of God. So it's seven biblical principles that God wants you and I to make up our minds on. And not only does he want us to make up our minds on it, he actually wants us to apply it to our daily lives. Somebody say apply. apply. There, there, there's nothing uh, more disappointing than knowing the truth and not applying it to our lives. Amen. So, so God gave us truth so we could apply it to our lives. And this is what he desires for us to do in these seven decisions. Now, the first five that we've talked about up to this point are simply this. Number one, we said that the buck stops here. And simply that means that we made the decision to no longer blame other people for what's wrong in our lives. Amen. Instead, we choose to take responsibility for our own actions, our own attitudes and our own words. The second one we talked about is this, that we'll be a people who seek wisdom. And this is where we made the decision to lean into God through relationships. Somebody say relationship. It's not a wishing well. It's a relationship, right? Lean into him through relationships so that we can receive his unlimited wisdom. Please get that. His unlimited wisdom rather than leaning on our own limited wisdom. Amen. Third one was this, is that would be a person of action. This is where we made the decision to not wait on somebody else to do something. We understand that as God's kids, God will give us opportunities to be his hands and feet. And in those moments, it's up to us to have enough courage to act. Amen. Amen. So the fourth one was this, that I have a decided heart. This is where we made the decision not to be distracted in our mission to bring heaven to earth. And uh, because we, we know this, somebody say burn the boats. That if we burn the boats and say this, we stay the course. So I say, stay the course. Then we'll do much for the kingdom. Amen. If we can burn the boats, in other words, if we quit, quit finding an exit strategy, quit looking for excuses. If we burn the boats, we just stay the course. We'll do great things for the kingdom of God. Somebody turn to your neighbor and say, neighbor. Oh, come on. Work with me today. Say, neighbor. God has something for you to do. Amen. Number five. Was this is I have a forgiving heart. I have a forgiving heart. This is where we made the decision to no longer put walls up, position ourselves on the defensive, bracing ourselves to be offended. Instead, we will live with our hearts wide open because we want to be an extension of the father's love and the father's mercy to every person we meet. Amen. Remember, forgiveness is simply this. It's mercy in action. Great place to say amen. All right, so let's turn our attention to the sixth decision, and I'm going to try to be quick today, so y'all work with me, okay? I'm going to try to be quick because there's food downstairs, and somebody opened up that door a while ago, and it smelled like a restaurant downstairs, so we got to hustle up, all right? Amen. Church people like to eat. That's truth. All right. Amen. Church people like some chicken. I got a pastor buddy. He talked about his belly. You know, he's, he's lost like, I don't know, like 75 pounds in the past five months. But he used to have this big old belly. He used to call it the chicken graveyard. I love that. Anyways. All right. Yep. So our sixth decision. Here we go. 
So let me start off by saying this. When I was a kid, I remember uh, my grandmother telling us grandkids, uh, you know, pretty much about our childhood. And over the years, I don't know why, there's, but there's always been three major things out of all the stories she shared that always stuck out to me. And they were simply this. The first one was this, and, and some of these may be a little bit different to you. But she, she told us that when she was in elementary school that she had to walk to and from school. And, uh, and, and yeah, I know, different day, right? She would have been actually 86 years old on Wednesday. She, she passed away a few months ago. But, but she told us that she had to walk to and from school every day. And she talked about how in the winter months, she would actually take a, a, a wrapped hot baked potato and she would put it in her pocket to keep her hands warm as she walked to school. And when she got to school, that's what she would eat for lunch. The second thing that I remember talking about was this. And she said all the way up until she was in the sixth grade, all her family had for a bathroom was basically this uh, wooden seat that was nailed to a tree. And uh, she talked about how, obviously, in the, in the summer, it's Alabama, right? It would be extremely hot, and the, and the winter was extremely cold. In fact, I remember asking, uh, remember asking her, hey, what did you do in the middle of the night when you had to go to the bathroom? She said, you just got to hold it. And, you, you know, basically, you know, who wants to go outside, you know, where we're at? A lot of people think it doesn't get cold, but it still gets, like, in single digits. And, uh, you know, who wants to go outside and use the bathroom in that, correct? Anyways, so I remember talking about this, that, that she said that they didn't have toilet paper, so they had to use corn cobs instead. So, yeah, rough. So um, she also talked about this. And I, I don't know, you know, just kind of reading between the lines. She always talked about how embarrassing it was. In other words, obviously you're sitting out there and, and it doesn't matter. You're wide open. Everybody's you're just exposed. Everybody's watching you, uh, what you're doing. And so anyways, she said that they kind of lived like that as far as the the, the open range, you could say, uh, basically until she finally begged her, her dad to make a uh, an outhouse. And I, I assume he made it around that tree. The third thing she talked about that stuck out to me was this. And she talked about how when she was in the sixth grade, sixth grade, her mother died of tuberculosis. And, and at the sixth, in sixth grade, she had to quit school because she had to go home. It was kind of expected of her uh, to basically raise and to take care of the younger siblings. And, uh, you know, I remember as a kid, uh, you know, joking and laughing quite a bit about the potato and the corn cob, right? And, uh, and you know, my grandmother amazing lady she didn't take herself super serious she would just laugh about it too and joke about it uh but you know even though we would even though we would joke about it in my heart i always felt really sorry for her and and it's kind of weird and i'm sure you've been around people like that i felt sorry for her but she didn't feel sorry for herself you know she kind of realized that that's kind of who she was right um but here's the point that i want to make and the reason i'm telling you all this it wasn't until i got older much older did i realize that my grandfather that my grandmother was really just trying to teach us a lesson that's it. And the lesson was simply this, is that we needed to be grateful, that we needed to be grateful for what we had. Amen. The word grateful means this. It means to to show a deep appreciation for the kindness or benefits received. The word grateful means to show a deep appreciation for the kindness or benefits received. Another word that we use for that quite a bit is just simply the word thankful. Now, listen, I don't know about you, but uh, my attitude hasn't and isn't always one of gratefulness. Anybody with me on that today? Come on, wave your hand at me. Amen. Listen, in fact, sometimes I catch myself actually doing the exact opposite. What's the opposite of being grateful is being ungrateful. And the number one way that we express uh, ungratefulness is, is by complaining. Right? And the word, the word complain means this. It means to express dissatisfaction, resentment, and defined fault. To express dissatisfaction, 
resentment, and to find fault. I want to think about this for a second. All around us, people are complaining. Amen. It's, it's almost, and hopefully you don't take this wrong, but it's almost like our society, uh, we've become professional complainers. Amen. It's, listen, people, they don't like our government. They don't like paying taxes. They complain about their boss. They complain about their job. They complain about their schools. They complain about the teachers. They don't like driving in traffic. They don't like cutting their grass. They don't like cleaning their house. They don't like paying their electric bill. They don't like doing their homework. They don't like eating certain kinds of food. They don't want to wear a certain outfit. They don't like the parking spot that they got at Walmart, right? They don't like something about their family. They don't like something in their church. Uh oh. <laughs> yeah. The, the, basically the list goes on and on and on, doesn't it? Is anybody with me? It's like if you stop and just look back at the past week, how much of it have you heard? How much of it's come out of your mouth? I don't know about you, but lately I've been doing a really stinky job at this. And I have caught myself saying something in the Holy Ghost. <clears throat> anybody there? But, but listen, isn't it, isn't it so easy to get into a mode of being dissatisfied with certain areas of our life? Don't get quiet on me today. <laughs> isn't it so easy to slip into the mode of finding faults in everything and everyone around us? Isn't it easy to get so focused on what we don't have that we forget and we lose sight of the things that we do have? It's like we forget to be thankful. Yes? Well, let's ask ourselves a question this morning. This is super simple and super to the point, but... But do we think God would rather us complain about all those things, or would he rather us find the positive in the midst of the imperfections? Would he rather us find the positive in the midst of the imperfections? It's kind of like this. Um, i getting a little ahead of myself. But, but now let's move on. Here we go. I'll say it maybe in a minute. Once again, to find the positive in the midst of the, uh, of the imperfections and be grateful. Watch this. Be grateful for the fact that we live in a great nation. To be grateful for the fact that we have a job. That we are receiving an education. Amen. That we have a car. That we have a house that has electricity. That we can actually turn the heat on. Amen. To understand that we have the ability to go and flip the knob, right, and, and get pure drinkable water. Yes, do you, do, you, do you realize how rare that is really in this world? Do, do you understand to be, to be thankful, guess what, that we have food on the table, that we have clothes to put on our backs, to be thankful that we have people in our lives, that we have the great privilege to call family. Yes, to understand that to be grateful the fact that we have a church to be a part of, and that we have the ability to come and have freedom of worship. Amen? Listen, I, I personally believe that God desires... For us to have what? To have a grateful heart. Simple point today. They simply wants us to have a grateful heart. So that's our sixth decision. If you're taking notes that I have or I will have a grateful heart. Let me interject something here, okay? Uh, just a little side note, okay? And then we'll get back on track. Um, I'm amazed by how many people I've met over the years that complain about a certain job that they have. And here's what I've noticed. Listen, in almost well, right at 20 years of ministry... Here's what I've, I've noticed this common theme, that, that if this guy right here complains about his job, and he doesn't, but so I'm picking on him right now. If he complained about his job, what I found out that ultimately when he finds a way to weasel out the job that he has and go to his next place, he begins to complain about that one too. But there's, a, there's such a common trend here. This is funny. That, that literally when he started that first job, man, his boss was amazing. The work atmosphere was amazing. 
And then he came over here. Guess what? He, well, it got all dysfunctional. He left. And then he came here. Oh, man, this guy's amazing. He's so much better than the last boss. This workout was just so much better. And then you fast forward three, four, five months. And guess what? He's in the exact same spot. The, the problem isn't the location. The problem's in the lack of, the lack of gratitude that's in his heart. Are you all following me today? Let, let me give you another way. And, and I, I remember in particular, there was a, there was a specific couple family that came to our last church and uh and you know once again they were so thankful to be in the in the in our church yay you know their last church was like this and they treated them all bad and da 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 and then i you know what fast forward i think it was two and a half three years guess what we were now that old place and what i learned through that process the problem wasn't our church wasn't perfect but the problem was them and but once again, it comes back to, you know, people that people that want to pass blame. Right. And always want to point finger at everybody else. There really there's a there's a lack of gratefulness in their own heart. Are, are you all following me today? Because because once again, there was a common denominator in all those situations. It was the individual. Wherever you insert them. Amen. Amen. So, so that's why, you know, now. I just tell you, whatever, we'll, we'll, we'll cut to the chase. Now, when people come to me and, and they start talking about a, a certain place, I just kind of just tune out and let them talk because I realize it's not really the old place. You know, follow me? And honestly, I, you know, this may bother you that I'm saying this, but in my own heart, I just go, okay, um, I brace myself, give it a little time, Quentin, it's going to come to your doorstep too. Is that okay? Say that? All right. All right, here we go. So once again, God desires for us to have a grateful heart. Amen. So listen, we know this is God's desire for us because the Bible tells us this. This is a simple verse, but don't miss the power in it. This is First Thessalonians five sixteen through nineteen. It says, "Rejoice always." Verse seventeen, pray without ceasing. In eighteen, in what? Come on, talk to me like you mean this morning. In. In. Yeah, much better. Here's what I almost hear. But Lord, my spouse in everything. But God, my job in everything, but in everything, but in everything, son. Are y'all hearing me this morning? It says in everything, give what? Give thanks. Watch this next part. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus. Not for the guy in the back, not to the person beside you, but for you. Listen, one of the number one questions that we're asked as ministers is this, is how do I know the will of God? There it is. Be thankful. Amen. You also find there in Thessalonians, it talks about being sanctified, set apart. But it says this in everything. Give thanks for this is the will of God for you. Amen. And listen, I don't believe uh, the next part there. Verse 19 is there by accident. It simply says this. Do not quench the spirit. The next line there that's not on the board says, do not despise prophecies. I realize that in context he's going somewhere. But I don't believe, I don't think when the Holy Spirit was inspiring Paul to write this to the Thessalonian church that he was just putting things there by accident. Amen. That there's an order that comes to it. There's a structure that's there. And I want you to know today that I, that I think the reason that I feel that uh, when I start to complain in my heart is because I'm grieving the Holy Spirit. Amen. Anybody else ever been there? 
So listen, this verse makes it really clear that it is the will of God for us to show a deep appreciation for the kindness and the benefits we have received. From who? From him. That's it. So simple today. It is the will of God for us to show a deep appreciation for the kindness and the benefits we have received from him. James 1.17 says this. It says, every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights. What a great verse, huh? Every good thing is from him. Now, let me give you a thought here, okay? And it's kind of like a side note. We'll tie it back in. But just in the same way that the Bible talks about that's God's will for us to uh, be thankful, do you realize that the Bible makes it really clear that God says in his word that he hates complaining? Strong word, but he says it, that he hates complaining, that he hates ungratefulness. Uh, I want you to think about for a second in the Old Testament. We, we see when we read the Old Testament that complaining and ungratefulness was one of the things that kept the children of Israel from inheriting the promised land. Isn't that true? It's true. Listen, in other words, their complaining hindered them from reaching their destiny. I want to say that again so you get it. It's so simple. Their complaining hindered them from reaching their destiny. Watch this. If you keep complaining about your spouse, you'll never be fulfilled in that marriage. It's that simple. If you keep complaining about the job that you have, you'll never make an impact there. Are you all following me? Watch this. If you are, if you are a, um, a, you know, a teenager, a kid in here, if you keep complaining about your parents, you'll never reap the God-given gift that they are from God to you. Do you understand that? You'll, if you complain about your parents nonstop, you'll never receive the wisdom and the life experience that they have. You'll never experience the revelation that God's deposited in their heart. Because why? Because all of this removes honor. Amen? So watch this. This is really, really simple. But if we really believe that complaining and ungratefulness hindered these guys, the, the children of Israel, from reaching their destiny, shouldn't the flip side be true too? That maybe gratefulness will help us, what? Will help us launch into our destiny. You hear, are you hearing me? It's really simple. That gratefulness will help launch us into our destiny. It, it, it's kind of like this, guys. Let me make this really simple. Gratefulness and complaining, it, it simply just boils down to a choice. It's no different than if I go, you, you know, whatever. I have a choice to come over here and to go, You know, follow me. I, I have a choice, what, to turn my radio on, turn my radio off. It's as simple as that, that literally when there's a moment that I'm there and I have a choice to go, God, thank you, or to go, God, I don't like that. It's a choice, isn't it? Are y'all, are y'all following me? Y- y- yesterday, we, we, were, we had to uh, go handle some business. We were running around, and I really didn't have time to run around because we're trying to get packed and all those things. There's 8,000 things going on, but we've got to make decisions and blah, 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 blah. And, and, I, and I went to go say something in my own heart, a complaint, and I caught myself, and I just turned it. Choice, Lord, thank you. And I found the positive in it. Amen? Amen. Amen. I get it, Pastor. All right. Awesome. Let's shift gears for a minute. You guys found Luke 17 yet? Awesome. Luke 17. Look at verse 11. I want to read this with you because I think it really captures what we're talking about. We're not going to be long today because, once again, we got to eat. Here we go. Luke 17. 
Verse 11. It says, Now it happened as he went to Jerusalem that he passed through the midst of Samaria and Galilee. Okay? That actually means this, that he pretty much he came to the border, the border of Samaria and Galilee. Did I say that wrong a while ago? Yeah, yeah sorry. I don't, that's called my, my thoughts are like three ahead here. Okay? In the midst of Samaria and Galilee. Okay? Anyways, roll tide. Verse 12. Here we go. It says, Then as he entered a certain village, there met him ten men who were lepers. These guys had leprosy. There met him ten men who were lepers who stood afar off. In other words, they stood at a distance. Now, listen. As most of you guys know, leprosy uh, is a disease that's caused by a bacteria that infects the area of people's bodies, right? So this bacteria basically causes the hair follicles, the sweat glands, and the nerve endings to be destroyed. And the skin, uh, the skin that is infected, uh, it becomes dry and it becomes discolored. And it ultimately causes the individual to lose its sense of touch. Watch this. In the more severe cases, an individual can have large, soft bumps literally all over their body and all over their face. And, and literally when there's a severe case, their voice will change drastically. Uh, blindness can occur. Their facial features can be destroyed. And then parts of their bodies like fingers, toes, uh, ears, etc. will literally begin to fall off. Right? We, most of us know all that. Uh, but to make matters worse, watch this. A, a leper in, in this time, and it still is in some parts of the world, but a leper was shunned by society, and uh, they literally became an outcast. So these guys couldn't live in the village. That's why Jesus met them at the border there, okay? So, so these guys were kept in isolation, and everywhere they went, people uh, had to stay away from them. Literally, when, if they saw someone in a the distance, they had to scream out, unclean, unclean. Can you imagine the embarrassment of that? And so, so to me, I think maybe, you know, above all of that, probably the worst part about this is these guys couldn't hug, they couldn't touch their spouse. Uh, you, you know, can, you know, I got four kids. I can't imagine being in a spot where I couldn't hug and couldn't touch my children. You know, to, to literally go, you know, I, I don't even have the ability to come and shake a hand with one of my friends. Are you following me today? That, that, that there's that thing that's just, it's like every, everything that's the quality of life is just robbed from these people. And, and so, you see, really it's this, is that when a, when a person, uh, you know, when a person had leprosy, they were cut off from society. They couldn't even come to the house of God and worship. And so what happened was, is obviously they would find a few people that were kind of like them. They would band together and just hope that they could survive. Are you all following me today? And, and so, you know, once again, with, with these guys that were, uh, had leprosy, you know, once they were diagnosed with it, they were considered incurable. In fact, to kind of give you the, the hopelessness that was in this situation, I think if I remember what I studied, it's like uh, 700 years prior to this, there was only two people that were healed that's recorded of leprosy. Two folks. So, so when these guys got leprosy, I mean, literally, these guys lost all hope that their future could be different. In essence, uh, their life was over. It was their death certificate. And so here's the thing I want you to get today. A few words, until Jesus showed up. Changes everything, amen? Until Jesus showed up. It says in verse 13, it says, And they lifted up, or they raised their voices and said, Master, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. That have mercy on us simply means help bring aid to us wretched people. That's what it means. Help bring aid to us wretched people. So, Master, have mercy on us. Now, you know, the only thing I can maybe assume here is that these guys, um, that the reputation of Jesus preceded him, that they knew he was a man of compassion. 
And that here it is that, that they somehow they recognize Jesus, man of passion comes, and they begin to cry out to him and say, they're asking for aid. I don't know if they're asking for food. Maybe they're asking for clothes. Maybe I don't know what they were asking for, but they were asking for something. But, but watch this first. Obviously, we know what Jesus did. But look at verse 14. And I think this is probably my favorite part of the entire scripture, and I hope you grab this today. It says, so when he saw them. So when he saw them. This is what's amazing. Notice that it doesn't say when he saw their leprosy. It says when he saw them. See, he didn't see these ten lepers like everybody else saw them. Are you following me? He didn't see them as diseased. He didn't see them as unclean. He didn't see them as a bunch of outcasts. When he saw them, he saw these ten men as men who were created for the purpose of God. He saw, he saw ten sons who were created with a destiny. Is anybody glad that Jesus saw you different? <laughs> Amen. It says this, says, and he said to them, go show yourself to the priest. Now, obviously, it doesn't appear like Jesus had some long, drawn-out conversation with him. He didn't have, you know, here's ten principles to receive healing. He just simply said this, go show yourself to the priest. Now, why would he do that? He didn't say that so they could go to the priest and get healed. He told them to go there because they were healed. Amen. And but but the key part of that culture is, is obviously they had to go to those priests because that's the one that ultimately kicked them out of the village. Right. They had to go to the priest, say, look, I'm clean. I've been healed, which once again, two people in 700 years, quite rare that that priest got a, a, a you know, a surprise that day. Right. And, and so the thing is that the priest was the only one that could declare them as clean again. He was the only one that could allow them to return back to their normal life. And so here's a, an idea I want you to grab here that Jesus wasn't just trying to heal them, but he was trying to restore them back to life. Now, follow me. He was trying to he's trying to bring the quality of life back to them. All right. In other words, it was beyond just, hey, your body's healed. Watch this. And it says this. It says. And so it was that as they went, they that's all 10 of them. Right. Right. It's all 10 of them. They were cleansed or they were healed. In verse 15, it says this it says in one of them. Everybody say one. One of them, when he saw that he was healed, returned to where Jesus was and with a loud voice glorified God. All right, I want to pause there for a second. When Jesus met him at the border, it says that they raised their voice. That's what it means, that they raised their voice, that they lifted up their voice. And then when it comes here after the guy realized he'd been healed, it says that he, uh, with a loud voice, and actually in the Greek language that means a great voice. Please don't miss this. That here was this shout for help, and here was this shout for praise. Are you all following me? So it's kind of like this, that his shout of praise was louder, that his shout of praise was greater than his cry for help. See, see yesterday when I was studying, I, I couldn't help but to think about this. Now, how many times I've been in church, and there's been that one person that's just loud. Thank you. I thank you. And, I, and it's so funny. I can't tell you how many people I've heard complain about those people. But the point is, I just kept thinking in my head, baby, you don't know what they've been through. You know what I'm saying? That there's something about when you're, you know, someone's praise offends you because you wouldn't do it like that. Ultimately, what it is, guess what? You don't know their story, so you really can't judge. Amen? Amen. So there's something about that I, you know, dear God, please, in us, you know, we were all, a, a, you know, a, a broken down mess at one point. Right. That somehow I hope that my when I first came to Jesus, what was my cry for help? I hope now that 20 years later, my cry of praise is a whole lot better. Amen. Amen. Let me maybe even say this. 
I'm smile at you when I say this one. All right. That when we get saved, it's so easy for the first few whatever to be all excited. And then after a while, we, we get dignified. We get, I'm mature in the face now. <laughs> and you used to be the person that was really, wow, you, you know, I, you know, whatever. You, you had hollering, shout things, wrong timing, you, you know, totally off, right? And you didn't know church. You didn't know all that. And after a while, you, you, you learned how to be cool. Right? Something's wrong with that, isn't it? I, I just think that the more we fall in love with Jesus, the more excited we should be for him. Amen. And hopefully, after all these years, we're more in love with him. Amen. It, you know, it's no different than this. And, it, you know, it doesn't mean I always do everything right. But, you know, I've been married for 13 years. And I can honestly say, before you and for the Lord Jesus today, I love my wife more today than when I married her by light years. You know, and so uh, and hopefully that's the case with you guys that are married as well. Amen. All right. Moving on. I smiled at you, though. <laughs> All right. Where are we at? Here we go. Verse 16. It says this. It says, and he fell down on his face at Jesus's feet. What a beautiful picture of worship. What's those next three words, gang? Giving him thanks. Listen, when we stop and think about it, we weren't that different from those ten lepers, were we? Here's what I mean by that. We were outcast in the kingdom of God. Right? We were unclean in our sin. And the Bible makes it really clear that our sin put a dividing wall between us and him. But thankfully, Jesus looked beyond our shortcomings, beyond our weaknesses, beyond our dirt, beyond our sin. And he saw us who we were created to be, sons and daughters. Amen? Listen, when it comes down to it, just as Jesus gave life back to those ten lepers, right? He's given life back to us. It's called abundant life. Amen? Because we think we knew what life was before. Life is in the kingdom. Amen? So I want you to think about what David said. And as I was studying, I saw this verse. And I was like, man, it couldn't be said any better. It says this in First Chronicles seventeen sixteen. It says, then King David went in and sat before the Lord and he said, who am I, O Lord God, and what is my house that you have brought me this far? Wow. That wrecks me. To sit back and literally sit back and remember who I was at 17 years old when I gave my life to Jesus, how screwed up I was. And just think that, man, where I'm at today, Lord... That you've brought me this far. Because I've never thought in a thousand years. Is anybody with me on that today? So easy to forget all that, isn't it? Listen to what Martin Luther said. This is a great quote. He said, See that you do not forget what you were before. Least you take for granted the grace and mercy you receive from God. And forget to express your gratitude each day. Can't get more plainer than that. So a few questions I have for you today, and we're about to wrap this thing up. But when was the last time that we were really grateful for everything that God's done for us? When's the last time we were grateful that, man, we're just saved, right? How about that we got in the closet, prayer closet, and said, God, I thank you for the cross, and I thank you for the resurrection. When's the last time we said, God, thank you for making your home in me? Or how about this, God, thank you for the Bible, that I have not one, but I have many Bibles 
in my house. I got Grandma's big old Bible, and I got my church Bible, and I got the mother three over there that ain't touched in 15 years. The reason I'm saying that is because, you know, and I'm not trying to beat up anybody, but there's that spot of going, I, I, once again, because we live in such a great nation, I think we, we, it's so easy, including myself here, I'm talking to me too, that we miss the fact that, man, you know, go over to China, and they got one and two pages of the Bible, and they're passing that thing around like it's gold, because it is. You know, and, and here we are, we got the whole thing sitting there all the time. Y'all follow me? How about the fact to say, God, I thank you that I can pray, and not only do I pray, but you hear me, and not only do you hear me, but you also answer my prayers. Man, when's the last time we said, God, thank you to have a church to go to? That's huge. You know, once again, going back to people that, that, are, that are literally, got me, I mean, get the picture here, guys, that in the last 10 to 15 years in the world, there's been more Christians killed than all throughout history. Do you know that? There's been more Christians killed in the last 10, 15 years than there has in all. And even go back to Nero, when Nero was, sorry, sidetracking here, but where he'd put him in the stadium. And literally, his history says that there was so much blood, literally, in, that it was knee high all throughout the, all throughout the, um, basically, the stadium, the arena. Okay? Thank you. That there was literally that much blood. They were killing that many people. So to fast forward and think that today more people are, Right? So what about this? What about saying, God, thank you for protecting me. God, thank you for our future in heaven. God, thank you for your presence. Isn't there so many things that we could be thankful for? You know, and I'm not trying to be trite here. But Lord, even thanks for toilet paper, right? Yeah, th- that our life is so good, right? And, and so, so let's not make the mistake, basically, of taking all those things for granted. That's really what I'm talking about today. Let's take a step back and let's reassess ourselves and go, man, God, I want a thankful heart. I want to thank, I want to literally, just how we talked last week, I want to greet each day with a forgiving heart. I want to greet each day with a thankful spirit, a thankful heart. Amen? So, basically it's this, so we don't make the same mistake of being ungrateful like the other nine lepers. Now, now let me maybe say this to you, and we'll read it, because most of you guys know the story. But, but, there's, but there's this part of going this, do we not, you know, obviously we're not foolish enough to think that those ten guys that got healed, surely they were grateful. All of them, Right? I mean, how could they not be? They got their family back. But, but there was something about that. Please don't miss this. That, that they got their attention was more on the gifts that they were given than the giver who gave the gift. And sometimes I think with, with the blessings of God coming to our life, because we're a blessed people, that when the blessings come, we get so focused on the blessings and we forget the blesser. And, and to realize that today, that... That, you know, the same thing that that guy did when he came and he fell at Jesus' feet and he, in essence, worshipped and he gave thanks. That's the opportunity we have not only daily in our prayer calls, but when we come together as a body, we have a chance to give thanks and worship him. The Bible says in Philippians 4, 6, and 7 that literally it says, present your prayers and your supplication. In other words, you're asking in prayer to God in thanksgiving. So, you know, so for me personally, side note here, when I go to the prayer calls, I try my best to make it a habit of just thanking God. That I, take it, that I take a portion of my prayer time and I just thank him because I want to be grateful. Amen? Amen. Amen. So once again, we want to be people that just don't enjoy it, but we want to return to the one that gave it to us and thank him. Okay, so look at verse 17 and we'll wrap this thing up. It says, so Jesus answered and said, were there not ten cleansed, but where are the nine? says, were there not any found who returned to give glory to God except this foreigner? And he said to him, the foreigner, the Sumerian, 
Arise, go your way. Your faith has made you well. So the simple point is maybe this today is is how different would our lives be if we just became a grateful person? Right. And part of that is because you're focusing on the positive and always focusing on the negative. Right. So but how different would our lives be if we were grateful people? Now, let me end with this with this story. Um, because I, I do want to recognize this, that not only do we, that not only, I think they're going to go cook. Hopefully they're not leaving because of my preaching. Is, <laughs> is sometimes it's so easy to, um, to just focus on God. But I think we need to stop and we need to figure, we need to realize that God's um, blessings and the benefits of God also come through people. And so there needs to be that side where we're also thankful for other people. Amen. Amen. Yes. Yeah, so let me read this story to you and I'm going to ask you one question. We'll stand and we'll pray. And give you announcements and we'll get out of here. We'll go eat, okay? This is a, a story about a guy named Charles Plum. Charles Plum was a United States Navy jet pilot in Vietnam. It says this, it says on his 76th combat mission, 76th combat mission, his plane was hit by a surface-to-air missile. He ejected and floated down into enemy hands. It says captured, he spent the next six years in a Vietnamese prison. Says he survived and now lectures on lessons he learned during that experience. But watch this. Here's, here's where it gets really good. It says one day he and his wife were sitting in a restaurant and a man at another table came up and said excitedly, you're plum. You're Charles Plum. He says you flew jet fighters in Vietnam from the aircraft carrier Kitty Hawk. He says you were shot down and he went on to reveal other details of the mission. Plum didn't recognize the man. So he asked, how in the world did you know all of that? Watch this. The man replied, I packed your parachute. He said, I was in the Navy, too. I worked on the Kitty Hawk. Same same ship. Charles Plum couldn't believe it. He thanked the man for packing his parachute so many years ago. The man shook his hand and said, wow, I guess it worked. <laughs> Charles assured him it sure did. If your chute didn't open or if it didn't work, I wouldn't be here today. And it says that that night Plum couldn't sleep. That he kept thinking about the man. He said, I, I kept wondering what he looked like in a Navy uniform, white hat, a bib on the back, uh, bell-bottom tra- trousers. He said this. He said, I wondered how many times I might have ignored him, not even acknowledged him with a good morning. How are you? You see, I was a fighter pilot, and he was just a sailor. Charles thought about how many hours this sailor spent on that long wooden table in the bowels of the kitty hall, carefully weaving the shrouds and folding the silks of each chute, each time holding the hands uh, hands of the fate of someone he didn't even know. Watch this. Today, Charles Plum regularly asked people, who's packing your parachute? Everyone relies on someone to make it through the day. There are so many people in our lives who are invisible, and I would like to add here, or that are common. We get used to seeing them. They're just common to us. Um, it says, but they're packing our parachutes mentally, emotionally, spiritually, and physically. We need these parachutes. We need these people. Sometimes in the midst of our challenges and our busy lives, it's easy to forget to express our gratitude. So I simply want to ask you today, um, man, who's packing your parachute? Who's been packing your parachute? So in essence, it's twofold today. Hopefully I'm not boring you. It's twofold. It's giving God thanks, but it's also looking around at the people that have impacted our lives and saying, you know what? Thank you. Thank you for what you do. And, uh, and if there's that sense of going, you know what, forgive me for taking you for granted, then do that. Amen. Let's close our eyes. I want to take a second, just you and the Lord.
just you do business with him. And just take a moment. And I, and I know some of you guys are amazing at this. But just take a few, let's take just maybe a few seconds, a few moments here, and let's just thank God for just what he's done in our lives. And so I asked Miss Kim just to play the keys. I'm going to give you a moment, just, just you and him. God, thank you that we live in a great nation. 
Thank you, God, that we have a great job. Thank you, God, that we have a great family. God, thank you that we have a great church. God, thank you that we have great kids and a great spouse. God, thank you, God, that we are filled, that our lives are ones that are blessed. God, thanks for the clothes that are on our back. Thanks for the fact, God, that we're not starving, but we have food on our table. And Jesus, I just ask, God, in this moment that you would, God, begin to open up our eyes to see the people all these years that have been packing our parachutes. Come on, God, let us see the gifts that you've, literally, that you've deployed on our behalf. Maybe it's our mom, maybe it's our dad, maybe it was a teacher, maybe it was a friend, maybe it was a complete stranger that came out of nowhere. But God, somehow they impacted us mentally, physically, emotionally, spiritually. God, that they packed our parachutes, God. God, help us to be thankful. God, I'm asking today, God, that even just in in relationships that are in families, God, that there'd be a turnaround. God, that there'd be a turnaround. God, where they've been running and all they can see is negative, 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 negative. Today, God, I'm asking in Jesus' name, God, let us see through your eyes. Let us see through your eyes. Let us see what you see. God, give us the ability to look past, once again, the imperfections and the shortcomings and the weaknesses. God, nobody's perfect but Jesus. God, help us to realize that, once again, just as... Maybe 20 years ago, 15 years ago, two years ago, three years ago, however long we've been married, however long that that individual came in our lives. God, help us remember, God, what drew us to him in the first place. God, that love that we had. God, I'm asking today, God, that you would uh, reignite the flame. God, that you would breathe on the coals today in Jesus' name. today in prayer, I just felt like uh, today we needed to pray in a certain angle. We're going to end with this. Um, this morning, I just felt like we needed to, we need to once again knock on heaven's door and ask for some lost saved ones, or lost families, sorry, lost family members. So I want to take a second, and let's just pray, and um, I don't know, I just felt that in prayer this morning, so we're going to go at it. So Father, today, Lord, you know, God, all around this room, God, you know our lost family members. God, family members that don't know you. God, I thank you that today that you love that person. You have a plan. You have a purpose. God, maybe it's a daughter. Maybe it's a husband. God, maybe it's a a cousin or a brother or sister. Maybe it's a grandparent. Maybe it's a mom and a dad. God, we're asking today, God, that that you wouldn't stop wooing them by the power of the Holy Spirit. God, we thank you, God, that you are not a God that just lays down, but, God, you continually fight for our souls. And so, Lord, today we're asking, God, that you would move, God, on the hearts of our family members. God, just as just as Paul had a, a, an experience with you on the Damascus Road, Lord, we're asking for that kind of turnaround, that kind of experience, that they would come to know you. God, thank you for opening their eyes and opening up their hearts. Thank you that you said in your word that you wish none would perish but that all would come to repentance. So, Lord, today we just ask for their salvation. 
And we believe, God, today, God, that you'll send someone their way. Maybe you'll use us. But whatever it is, God, that you'll open up their ears to hear the gospel. Lord, and they'll receive it in Jesus' name. God, we believe you for that. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.